everybody. It is, what is it now, May 18th, something like that. And we are the Board Game Mechanics. I am Joel, and with me as always is... Hey guys, what's going on? Jason here. And we are never, ever, ever getting back together. <laughs> you had to do that, huh? <laughs> that was a little thing for people who heard the outtake last week on our show. <laughs> Yeah, but you knew we were recording. Well, I did too. I just forgot. So, that's <laughs> uh, fun. Hey, welcome to the show. Uh, wow, how about that show last week? I really enjoyed that. I think that was. I, I think we had all time high downloads last week too. So that was pretty awesome, guys. Thank you, fans and new fans. Um, I don't know. Do you, Jason? Do you endorse them listening to our old episodes or not? Uh, if you want to listen to whatever, yeah, go for it. Just don't listen to the one that says. A bum mic. I think that's episode four or something. Don't listen to that one. I think we had fun last episode, but it was a little more serious than we normally are. I don't know. It was it was weird. I listened to it. I listened to it twice, actually, because I really enjoyed that episode. But it was really serious for us. Yeah, it was. We'll bring it back down today. It, <laughs> it'll be a little, little more laid back. I hope so. All right, so let's get to the news. Um, I'm not just going to do some Kickstarter today. I actually have another couple bits of interesting stuff that I wanted to talk about. So I'll talk about that first. Um, the first thing is there's been mention of a Terra Mystica expansion called Age of Innovation, and it's scheduled for 2019. Yeah, I thought you'd be juiced about that one. I saw that too. Uh, adding a couple races, I think, to the game. And some other stuff. Yeah, I I tried to find stuff on it. I did a quick search today. I didn't find much. But, yeah, it's pretty exciting. I don't have the other expansion either. But I think this one seems a little more up my alley than the last one. Fire and Ice or something is what the last one was called or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, If you've played played it, so here's where we're cool. Like, we like that you listen to us, but we feel like this podcast is – we really are becoming like a chat, like an interactive thing. So if you go over to our Facebook page, I love that like some of our new fans are getting over there and posting. Um, and I, we have kind of a competition to be a super fan. So anyway, <laughs> I, the reason why I mentioned that is because I don't know what the name of the expansion is off the top of my head, but I'm sure somebody listening to this is like, oh, I've played with that expansion. It's awesome. Come over and tell us about it. I mean, like we love to hear from you guys. Like you're the best source of information. Uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about is a new Ticket to Ride game is coming out, and that is Ticket to Ride New York. Um, this is a little different than the other ones because it plays in about 15 minutes, and you're placing taxis instead of trains. And along with the normal like Ticket to Ride routes that you're trying to complete, you can also connect your your taxis to tourist destinations, and that will score you in points, in-game points as well. So... It's a little bit different, similar format, but the big change is it's taxis, not trains. It's exclusively two players as well. I don't know if you mentioned that or not, but it looks like a really interesting game. Um, there's a lot going on with it, more than I would have thought. Right. This is sure. The, this is the first Ticket to Ride that I've been interested in, actually, probably ever. I mean, I, I like Ticket to Ride, but this one seems a little more interesting, because mostly because it's 15 minutes. I, I like that a lot. Yeah. I think this would be a good couples game, for sure. Um, this one's definitely on my radar. Looks like a lot of fun. Um, the joke that people made on the thread that I was reading said, 
if you play this game on the weekend, half your expected routes are, are closed because it's New York traffic. Um, <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think it seems like a really cool thing. So now we're going to move on to some Kickstarter stuff. Um, the first one I want to get into is one that I'm actually super excited about and I have backed. And that and that is Forbidden City slash Forbidden Palace slash... I'm not even going to try to pronounce the new name because it's Chinese and I'm just going to butcher it. But it begins with a G. It's So, yeah. But this is a game that's designed by the guy who designed Hansa Teutonica and the Stauffer Dynasty. And this is, man... This is one of the most Euro-y games that I've seen come off Kickstarter in a long time. It's really I mean, unique, too. I mean, I it, think the it is. card play or the mechanisms in the game are pretty unique and not complex. So it seems like in a lot of ways when we have a new mechanism come out, it's something crazy complex. But this one's not really. It's – I don't know. It's pretty cool, though. You should check out the video. Yeah. Yeah, it's essentially like – a card game because you're playing cards you're only playing cards basically on your turn and based on the number of cards you play is a certain action you can take you might get a bonus action if it's higher yeah it's really interesting and then the thing where you have to make sure that your guy gets to the top of the heavenly palace or you you lose right i think that's pretty interesting too so you have to pay attention to it or else you forfeit basically right yeah that's pretty awesome so yeah that i think as of recording there's nine days left, so when this episode drops, there'll be about four days left, and I would suggest, if you're remotely interested in Hansa Teutonica or the Stuffer Dynasty, or just an awesome Euro, go check it out. Heavy Cardboard does an awesome playthrough. Um, Man vs. Meeple, take a look at it. It's a great game, and yeah, I want everybody to back it and get this game some love. All right, before you move on, a couple quick things. Um, I just looked at this Kickstarter today, and I know that they're... There's some title confusion or name confusion for the Kickstarter. But as far as I can tell, the name of the actual Kickstarter campaign is still Forbidden City. So if you look for that, it'll come up. But I don't know if there was some kind of trademark thing or what happened there. But there's all kinds of names being kicked around right now. Um, So do you know what's going on with that? Yeah, Forbidden City is an upcoming Reiner Knizia game. And the company who's publishing the game didn't want to share the rights or something. And it... Uh, there was an email on one of the updates from being a backer, and it said that they basically filed a cease and desist or something, so they had to change the name, and that's the story there. Huh. Um, the other thing, too, is, I mean, Hansa is an amazing game that I've never played, which is kind of embarrassing to admit, but every time I've done one of those, hey, what game should you play lists, it comes up in the top three spots that people think I would like it. Or like a algorithm thinks I would like it, so I really want to play it. Um, but it's one that's kind of hard to get your hands on, as far as like I, you know, it's a weird hangup. But I I like to try and trade for games that are a few years older because I'm sure somebody's played it, loved it, and is ready to move on with it. And I can't really get it in trade because it's apparently that good. Um, but then Stoffer Dynasty, like I've been looking at this one, and it's on clearance at my local shop. Um, are you serious? Yeah, right now. Yeah, dead, dead serious. It's. Like, basically, uh, the board's just a huge rondelle. I mean, like... Yeah, essentially, yeah. So, it's on clearance half price, and I've almost bought it a few times. But, I mean, it has really lukewarm reviews. So, I don't know. If you've played Stoffer Dynasty, post in the rivet. Let me know that I should pick it up or not. That'd be awesome. If you pick it up and you don't like it, I'll give you what you paid for at $5. <laughs> Is it hard to find right now or something? 
No, not really. I just don't want to have to pay shipping for BGG. Yeah, I hear you. So I could just meet with you and get it next time we meet up. Yeah, or like uh, we could work out a trade because I'm sure there's plenty on your want and trade slash for trade list that we can work something out. So yeah. Right. Yeah. Hey, this is Shop Talk with Joel and Jason. We're getting ready to trade games. <laughs> And you're not invited. <laughs> Our math trade, one plus one is two. <laughs> All right. Um, a game that I saw on Kickstarter, but I just kind of blew by it because the box didn't do anything for me. But then somebody posted about it today, and my whole outlook has changed. And it's called On Tour by Chad Deshaun. And essentially, it's a roll and write. But it's a rock and roll theme, so we're going to call it a rock and roll and write, <laughs> which I stole from somebody who posted on our page. So I think it was Grossman, Mrs. Grossman. Yeah, Lindsay. So not, yeah, Lindsay, yes. I can remember her name. Yeah, she said that on her page, and I thought it was awesome, so I wanted to steal that from her today. So this is a testimonial to the fact that we do look at our Facebook page a ton, and we get information from there, and we love to interact there. So if you're the one person who listens and isn't posting over there, do it. So anyway... But yeah, this this one, <laughs> right. my wife, my wife is a subscriber out of kindness, I guess, to our page, solidarity or support, being a loving wife, and she <laughs> saw this one and she's like, "Ooh, this one looks good. It looks like Ten Days in the USA and Racco kind of." And I was like, "Yeah, I thought so yeah, too." Yeah, it does kind of. And so I, I'll yeah. be back in this one for sure because I mean, my wife thought it looked good. So now I just have to figure out if I get the four player edition, which seems reasonable, or the ridiculous or 12. twelve player edition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like the components are really cool too. It's just a rolling right, essentially. But you're trying to, you can put stuff anywhere you want, but you're trying to connect the best tour around America, which is pretty slick. Yeah. And like the 12 player version of this, like it seems pretty unnecessary to me, honestly. I mean, like if you have 12 people playing a game, play something where it makes sense to play it. Like I don't feel like this game <laughs> right, scales yeah. any differently from like two players up to 12 players, probably. It, I mean, right, it's a, yeah. kind of a solitaire game almost, it feels like, a little bit. Then you kind of compare your results. So, I don't know. Pretty right. cool, though. I definitely am backing it. 100% am, um, for sure. I, I was thinking about it. I, I'm still thinking about it. It's got some time left, so I'll consider I'll tell you it, what. Um, if you want to back it, we'll go We'll go and have these on one of the 12-player editions, and we'll each get a six-player game. So... Hey, you could probably do <laughs> yeah, that. I think yeah, you could. that's it's, actually a good idea. It says yeah. everybody. It says the twelve player comes with everything you need for twelve people to play. So, um, wow, that's awesome. No, I, I like it. It looks really cool. Uh, yeah, it, on tour, and the art is pretty awesome too. I like it. It's not heavy. It's like pretty whimsical and kind of right. retro, fun looking. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the rock and roll theme. So once I found out that's what it was, I definitely went to the page and checked it out. So. That was pretty awesome. That's a theme that doesn't get used a ton. I have a Antoine so Bowser like... game called Rock Manager or Band Man. Yeah, Rock Manager. I think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not yeah. bad. It's like you draft cards, kind of, or acquire cards to try and like make the best band. It's pretty cool. Yeah, there's one that I want that's impossible to find. It's like a Kingsburg game. It's called Thrash and Roll. It's a you're rolling dice and you're trying to record a single, record an album. Um, get your single on the radio and then go on tour with this band from Britain. It's it's awesome, but it's impossible to find. I got to find it though. It's amazing. I had a friend of mine. I won't say who the friend is because I don't want to incriminate anyone like that might be co-hosting with me. Who like last week sent me a link to the ICP video our board game that he was really <laughs> into that. It yeah. might be someone co-hosting <laughs> with me, but I'm not going to say for sure that he really wanted the ICP game. <laughs> Yeah, it might be. 
your co-host, but whoever that guy is, he seems pretty cool. So that's a, that's another <laughs> rock and roll game, I guess. It's a real thing, honest to goodness. I forget the name of it. It it really is. It's called Into the Echo Side or something. I mean, not that I really know that, but I got nothing else for news. So if, if you have anything, uh, this is where Jason's Jason's like sort of quarter passive aggressively like passing the mic to me because he's like <laughs> You're right, he's I boycotting <laughs> this next bit of news here. All right, so I'm just going to talk for, like, for 10 seconds about this. Okay, and actually, I'll be like two minutes, and I'll tell you what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about Spiel. I'm going to talk about Hasbro, buying Asmodee or whatever. So if you don't want to hear that, all right, I'm going to set my timer right now on my, on my thing. I'm going to talk for two minutes, and then I'm done, okay? So first off, Asmodee, buying Hasbro is seriously, it's going to change the whole hobby. So I feel like a lot of the growth and a lot of the development that we've had in our hobby is because Asmodee has been artificially almost inflating the price or value of some of these little companies and brands by buying them. So there's been a lot of innovation, a lot of people wanting to go out there and chase those dollars a little bit. Um, but you know what? At the end of the day, they're, they've upped the components on some of this stuff. They've made components better across the board. They've done some good things for the industry, but it's really a capital company. And I think they've been doing it just to try and like, you know, get ready to be sold for a profit. So hopefully the next chapter of Asmodee ends up being okay. I'm going to say this. Um, if it does end up that Asmodee ends up being a crash and burn somehow, some way, I'm fine with it because it used to be Days of Wonder had had components that were above everyone else. And it was like, man, I wish everyone had Days of Wonder components. Now Days of Wonder components are kind of the standard for every Kickstarter you get and games like Pandasaurus and uh, uh, I can't remember the name of the company. Oh, I can't even remember the name. Anyway, there's a lot of companies with really great components right now. Next thing, Spiel. The Spiel. Okay, so this is crazy. The Spiel, um, basically, it's games that no one in the United States really knows, hasn't, haven't been released in the United States. And at one point in my life, this is where I got into an argument online, that this, this used to be like the Academy Awards of board games, where everyone really looked at this and said, hey, what are the, what's the game of the year, period? Like, this is the big award. Well... This year, they've established even further that they're very much a niche award made for non-board gamers in Germany, honestly. Um, and there's, an, there's even as much information out there as far as to say, some people are saying it's a conspiracy that basically um, three companies take turns winning the award and they've you know basically influenced the voting and nominations and things. This year, we have an unknown designer getting three games nominated, which is crazy, and none of the games seem great to me especially the one that is available, The Mind. Um, doesn't look good. It looks like it'd be fun once. And that is my time. Yeah. Um, the only game in Spiel, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in a little bit, even though I was going to boycott. The only game from Spiel that even that should win is Azul. That game's amazing. It's fun. It earned the award, and it should win. The other games are garbage. There's a card and move game. There's The Mind that you can't even talk. How is that a game? Yeah, all right, I'm done. It's becoming very much that the Golden Geeks or the Dice Tower Awards are much, much, much more like the Gamers Awards and what I will be paying much more close attention to in the future. I went over my two minutes now by saying something more, but <laughs> I think we're saying, well, and then the other one, Luxor, it looks fine, honestly. I mean, it's the guy who made Istanbul and made, um, what's his other game? Uh, Las, Las Vegas. Uh, is it? It's Karuba. Oh, yeah, yeah, Karuba. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, so anyway, this one looks like a little bit Karuba-ish, but it looks like it might be better. So anyway, Luxor looks kind of cool, but it's just nothing that we've been able to see yet. So yeah, whatever. Literally, I just saw people getting reviews for that today. Like, you'd never even heard of it. I saw it on Kickstarter. I was like, eh, looks okay. Then all of a sudden, it's nominated for the spiel, and then every single person releases a review today. Like, yeah. That's ridiculous. It, it's because the box, it seriously looks like 
a free to play app is what the icon is what the is what the yeah, box cover looks like. It does. And the name of the game sounds like I mean it sounds like I think Luxor is one of those like games on that like you remember when you would go to like Walmart in like nineteen ninety five and you were like what a thousand and one games on a CD ROM <laughs> yeah. for nine ninety nine? Like I'm pretty sure Luxor was one of those games. And so it's just such a generic sounding game and looking game. And Queen Games I don't think has done an awesome job of marketing it. So I don't know. No. I'm looking forward to going on their like ridiculous sale on Amazon for eleven dollars in a year and a half, and I'll buy it. Yeah, I would play it. I'm just, I'm just irritated. Yeah, it's not <laughs> the, the awards don't represent me. I mean, that's for sure. Yeah. So what we're announcing right now is the Rinchies. We'll be doing an award <laughs> in November, or so Heck representing yeah. our feelings about games. And if and if you would like to bribe us to get your game on, feel free. We will take bribes. I mean, I'm, I, I totally 100% agree, but at this point, it's going to be a Philip DeBerry game versus a Jamie Stegmaier game that's versus true. a Vidal Lacerda game. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's true. That is true. <laughs> All right, Jason, what'd you play this week? Hopefully more than I did. Yeah, well, um, sure. I'm actually <laughs> going to carry over some stuff because I haven't had a great ga- week of gaming. Um so I'm going to talk about something I played a couple weeks ago, and that is Path of Light and Shadow. I'm um, jealous. Yeah, I mentioned it a little on the last episode when we were talking about a wrench rating. And essentially, this is a deck builder, which kind of fits in with the episode we're doing today. But it also has minis and some combat. So you're using cards that you're going to acquire by taking over territories on the map. Based on the territory you take over is what deck you're going to get cards from. And you're trying to get either your person to be merciful or bad. I can't remember what evil was. It wasn't evil, but I can't remember. Um, and then based on your however your character is, is what some cards are going to do better for you. And it's going to help you defeat your opponents when they take over the stronghold. Um, it's really short. It's like 12 rounds. So you're only taking 12 turns the whole game. But it was a fun game. I just wish maybe there was a little less interaction in it because... I had I got so many points at the beginning, and then people just started coming in. And at the end of the game, I had no territory that was mine, and that is just not that's not how I like to play a game. I I think this game looks really good to me. I, it looks like a cool balance of Euro and Ameritrash. It is, and it is for sure. I, I just seems like there's probably a ton of stuff in that box, um, but I don't know. I, I really like the look of it, and I've seen it on clearance a couple of places, so I think it may not be as well received as they hoped. Um, but I've seen it for like 35 bucks or 30 bucks a couple places. And I was really tempted to get it. Um, the fact that you kind of say it's all right tells me that I would probably love it, honestly. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah it, I mean, it's it a good, cool. it's a good game. It's just not for me. Like, I don't know if it would be something I'd want to play a lot just because there's too much interaction, but yeah, it was a fun game. I had a great time playing it and I thought the deck building was kind of interesting that, Based on where you were on the board is what kind of deck you could draw out of. I thought that was interesting. Where you didn't have to buy cards. It was just how well you were in the world is what kind of people you would recruit to join your army. I thought that was kind of cool. Do you remember off the top of your head if this is a Jonathan Gilmore game? Oh, that sounds right. Uh, I don't know. I can just Google it real, real quick. Uh, designer, Jonathan Gilmore. Uh, Travis Chance and Nick Little. Yeah. I'm gonna put some funny music in there, like like some like hold music, and I'm gonna be like, "So, Jason, is that a is that a Jonathan Gilmore game?" It is a Jonathan Gilmore game. Yeah, Google said Google provided the answer. 
that that dude's on fire, honestly. I mean, like, you know how many awesome games he has, in my opinion? Yeah. Like, these are all top 100 games for me. He has Wasteland Express, Dinosaur Island, uh, Dead of Winter, Path of Light and Shadow, and then he has a new RPG system coming out based on Stranger Things. I mean, that dude's on fire. Is that the Kids on Bikes game? Yeah. Oh, that, I didn't realize that was him. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Dude's seriously on fire. We need to get him on the show. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I, seriously, that guy is just, it seems like everything he touches turns to gold lately, too. I mean, I don't know. Dinosaur Island on its own, man. He's going to be living for a while just on that game. I mean, Right. <laughs> well, and Wasteland Express, I'm telling you, is not a joke. That game is really good, too. It's the best pickup and deliver game I've ever played. So That's cool. All right. So, Jonathan Gilmore, send us a review copy of whatever you're working on. <laughs> and you'll win the award. You'll win the wrenchy. <laughs> Two Ringies. <laughs> yep. Our favorite lovely boy of design and game of the year for whatever game you want us to give the award to. Yep. We're so fickle. If that made it in the show, it's because I was feeling particularly generous with my editing this week. All right. So I played. I know this has been waiting for, for a while so we could get back to being on task yeah the Adderall is kicking in Jason here we go all right fabled all right. fruit I played fabled fruit um, this game is actually really good um, it's just like so light and it's got the artwork on it looks like a box of cereal or something I don't know it's like the most like cartoony toucan in the jungle look and art ever but um, it's a pretty cool game because I like how the worker placements basically keep changing all the time so it's got like a worker placement set collection kind of thing going on with it um but it's all done with cards there's no board and then because it's done with those cards it has that fable system where they're always changing so just as you get used to like figuring out oh this combo is really cool and it works that combo goes away and then you have to figure out a new combo so um it's kind of neat how you just shuffle through them and then it's a legacy game sort of i don't know if you've played any of these fable games or not but it's like the game's always evolving and shifting but it's not permanent. So you could always reset the game and play it again. And I know he has a Fabled Power Grid expansion um, and then Fabled Fruit. Um, and I don't know if there's any other Fabled games coming out, but I know like if there is, it would have to start with the letter F because Freedom and Freeze loves his letter F. So anyway, I played Fabled Fruit, really enjoyed it. Well, he has those fast forward games like Flea and Fear and Fortress. Yeah. Those ones that you learn as you go. Right, right. Yeah. And I think this one's like, it feels like a first cousin to it, honestly. Um, I don't know, because the game is seriously so simple. Like, when you read the directions, it says, put one of your little wooden penguin guys or snake guys or whatever animal you are on a spot, do what it says. Then when the pile's gone, put a new pile out, you know? So, I mean, hmm. and then always just cash it in and buy little fabled juices on the bottom there. So, pretty cool little game. I actually got this one because of thinking about, you know, con season and traveling this summer. I want games that I can toss into a Ziploc bag and just take with me and not have to worry about crushing boxes and not have to worry about them taking up a ton of space. And this one definitely fits the bill. Um, and I think we'll probably get hours and hours of play out of this. It's really accessible. My wife will enjoy it too, I think. So, Feeble Fruit, I give it a good rating. I liked it. This is super light, right? Yeah, real light. Yeah, that's kind of what turned me off. I mean, it does look cute. And I think the premise is cool, but it just seems super light. And I, Let me say this. It's light so far. I mean, like, I don't know what's in that huge stack of cards. So it could get some really interesting stuff going on with it. That's true. But at this point, it's pretty light. I mean, like, it's accessible for sure. But it's it's fun. It's really a fun game that 
You're just trying to collect fruit and make little smoothies and then pick up a card. So <laughs> that, that, Yeah, it's a cool team for sure. I mean, it's always fun to make some smoothies. Yeah, it takes a green-haired German to come up with a game like that. We were playing as a <laughs> yeah. penguin in the jungle trying to collect fruit to make fruit juices. Yeah, so. only Friedemann. Yeah, that's true. All right, uh, that was that. <laughs> All right, um, another game I played, and I did actually play this this week, and that is Wisdom of Solomon, which is going to be getting a review here shortly. This is the re-implementation of PDB, his game Kingdom of Solomon, which was good. The rule book was not good. And this turned that game into a more normal worker placement game. Because before everything was done in phases, so you put all your workers out, then you'd pull all your workers off and get stuff. Then you go to a market phase, then you go to a building phase. Now you're just going where you want to go and doing the thing. The rule book's much cleaner. The graphic design on the board is better. Um, and it can play up to five players. The old one can only play four. So you'll hear more about this when we do the review. But yeah, I played it. I liked it. I'm looking forward to playing it again. Trade your copies of Kingdom of Solomon now because you're going to want to play this one, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could probably play the other one too if I like if somebody wanted to and they never played it. But after playing Wisdom, it's hard to go back to Kingdom for sure. Huh. That's cool. It's another faith-based kind of game, too, um, which, I mean, like, faith is definitely a big part of Philip DeBerry's life, and I think I love how he does his games because, I mean, like, I don't know, he definitely has a faith element present in, like, even Black Orchestra. There's, like, a faith element there with with, uh, Theologian is one of the characters you can play, but it's not like he jams it down your throat, you know what I mean? And, like, it's a good, solid game. Even Commission, though, which is, like, kind of the go-to Christian game, I guess, for the modern era, for the hobbyist, is a really solid game. Um, and this coming from an era where, like, it used to be Bibleopoly and Bible Trivia are the only games that you could play that were, like, Christian. And so, I don't know. It's pretty cool that this is a, a Christian game that I think it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. You're going to enjoy this game and think it's a cool, cool game. And if you're a Christian, then maybe you'll learn a little something about your faith. And uh, that's kind of what I'm looking for, too. So, yeah, that's cool. I mean... The, this one's a little more than Kingdom of Solomon because this one, some of the cards actually have Bible verses on them. So you have like some fortune cards that if you go to certain spots, they'll be like rule breaking cards or something. And each of the cards are about a time in like Bible, the period of building Jerusalem or building, rebuilding Israel. And so all the Bible verses are in reference to whatever the card does, which is pretty interesting. So yeah, you can play the game and learn a little bit about Bible history and stuff like that if you're into that. That's really cool. I'm looking forward to it. And the other thing that's neat about this game is apparently when they made this game, uh, Philip DeBerry got a color ink cartridge to put in his printer and made a nice <laughs> cover for it. So Yeah, it is much prettier for sure. <laughs> All right. The last game I played, uh, my son graduated from eighth grade. Big deal. So I bought him, I bought him a game because he's starting his own little collection. I found a copy of Baron Park, and uh, that's a cool little game. I like it. Um, I kind of like it too much. It's like I like it enough that my copy of Indian Summer like might be on the trade block now. Um, it's just a cool little game that you're just basically drafting these little like Tetris tiles and putting them on this park. And you can only not go on one position. There's this little pit. like It looks like a manhole cover that you can't put anything on. And once everything on that tile is covered except for that little manhole cover, then you put a little like statue over the top of it that gives you points. Um, first person to fill four of those little 
those little board tile things up um, is able to end the game, and then whoever has the most points wins. Um, it's kind of neat, though. And then there's like an advanced variant, which I think most gamers would play with, where once you do certain things, like uh, get six green spaces that are adjacent to each other, or have three polar bear enclosures, you pull these little like tiles off, like almost like turn and ta- turn and taxis or um, games where it's like a race to get certain objectives, and then the top one's worth a few more points than the ones underneath it. So, um, a really neat game, really light, but really probably probably the best game in that whole like puzzly put shapes down on a grid. Uh, thing so far it's definitely beating patchwork in my mind um at two players even this game beats patchwork and i think it's got indian summer beat i've not played cottage garden but i skipped that one because i heard it was probably not for me and indian summer was i think i'll give indian summer a couple more plays but because it's a little heavier than baron park but baron park kind of itches that scratch and it's going to get to the table more because i could play it with my my mom and dad who are in their 70s you know so um cool game baron park that is um, Philip Walker Harding. Is that who did that? Yeah, yeah. It seems like an Uve game, but I I saw some people playing it, and it looks more interesting for sure than some of those other games you mentioned. It looks a ton like an Uve game because it's like Mayfair, and it, like I has the art of a Uve game. It looks right, like, yeah. I mean, it looks like uh, Clemens Franz, whoever that is. Yeah, it looks like um, those. For whatever reason, why Uve has been doing all these puzzle placement games for the last year it's like if uve didn't do those and then he saw those and like oh that's really cool and then he made a game that was those puzzle placements i would guess this would be the one because it does look more like an uve game than indian (laughs) summer or any of the other games honestly yeah that's funny yeah for sure but i was i'd recommend it it's a good game yeah kim has it she really likes it i probably should play it because it's kind of the hotness but yeah yeah it's kind of like it's back in print i guess is the thing so yeah, that's true. That'll do it. Well, and like it might be hard to find if Asmodee ends up getting sold to Hot Wheels and all they do is use <laughs> the cardboard from the board games to make ramps now. Like yeah. <laughs> Polyomino ramps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, that's what we played. All right, Jason. Uh, we last week started our... I guess recommendation is calling, we're calling it the hall of fame. Uh, and Jason, do you want to give us a quick recap of how we're doing these wrenches and what we suggest and how those things break down for us? Sure can. All right. So we're picking games that are classics. I don't know. They might not be classics, but they've been around for a while that we may or may not like that. We feel like needs to get talked about and get a rating. So we came up with an arbitrary rating from one wrench to five wrench wrenches and what those wrenches mean is if we give something a five, that means we would play it any time and would suggest it to 80% of gamers. So four out of five gamers, we would say, hey, you need to play this game. A four, we would play mostly any time. And we would suggest this to 50 to 60% of gamers. Um, a four, or sorry, I just did four. A three, we'll play it sometimes if we're in the right mood and would suggest it not to 50, but, you know, let you know we still suggest it to some people a two we'll play if convinced and a one we won't even talk about it yeah and i think we landed on three to four and a half was our recommended um like not recommended but approved i guess and a three and a half to or a, 
uh, what is it? A, a three and a half to no, no, no. I'm getting this wrong. A four, a four and a half, half to five, five, is, five Hall of Fame. Yeah. is something that we think is an excellent game that we would recommend. So approval is a little lower than um, like our our Hall of Fame rating. Um, and I think the other thing too is like Jason kind of mentioned this. We're trying to stick away, stay away from games that have come out in the last couple of months or something because I feel like sometimes you need to let your emotions cool on something. You need to kind of play a game a few times and see it settle down before you're really ready to step back and say, hey, this is what I think this game is. Um, and, I mean, there's enough stuff coming out now that I think some of these older games that we're going to rate, people might be new to the hobby. They might not know them, and that's fine. And this is a chance for you to kind of hear what we have to say about them. Um, I just know that, like, I know of a reviewer or two out there that are on YouTube and they'll rave about how awesome a game is and they'll just talk about how they feel like this game has so many different strategies you can play and just go on and on about, you know, why this game's amazing. And then when they really tell you how many times they played it, they've played it like one and a half or two times. So I feel like that's not the most authentic board game review for everyday people like like the blue collar board game mechanics here. So that's why I think we're trying to pick stuff that we've played quite a bit. And uh, can give a really solid, like, repeated play opinion on. I totally agree. So anyway, this game this week, Jason, it's a little-known game that <laughs> didn't cause much acclaim or change the gaming world at all, uh, called <laughs> <Yeah>. Dominion. <laughs> yeah, the Donald X game that we didn't rag on for three episodes, yes. Yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> this one, you actually get to hold more than one card in your hand, so that's, that's a good thing. <laughs> yes. No. Yeah, yeah. So so Dominion's if you don't know Dominion I don't even like I if you don't know Dominion like that's I feel weird about that that you don't know Dominion like I feel kind of old yeah. and kind of like why are you listening to us? You should be out like playing Dominion. <laughs> do, doing something different like cuz we're kind of niche and weird and there's like much more like hey you're going to hear about Dominion things out there on YouTube and stuff but did I just push like listeners away? Just kidding. Like we love Dominion. This is where you should be, no matter who you are. Um, but Dominion's the deck builder that I mean, like I, it didn't create deck building, but it really popularized it. Um, I think the old StarCraft game probably was more close to creating deck building, and then even then, like definitely Magic: The Gathering and some of these games where you create a deck are are certainly influences towards this mechanism we call deck building now. Um, but this is the game that if you had to say, um, who's the secretariat? Like, where does the like thoroughbred come from in the deck building genre? It's definitely Dominion. Um, so it's for sure. If you look at all other deck builders that have come out since, where like there's two basically kinds of deck builders in my mind. There's the random cards that flip deck builders, kind of like the Ascension model or like the Clank model. Um, or like the Cryptozoic deck building, deck building games where there's five cards you can pick from and they're not always there. They're not always the same five cards. And then there's the every card's available to you throughout the whole game till the pile's exhausted model. And that's the Dominion model. That's the, you know, uh, uh, Thunderstone. Am I saying that right? Um, yeah, Thunderstone, and, yeah. And I, was in, I wanted to call it like, like all the different editions that have come out, like Hero Stone, or I don't even remember what I want to call it. But <laughs> yeah. But then like Trains, and there's some other games that are like that same model where every card's available to you the whole game, and you pick from them and put them in your deck, um, and it minimizes luck that way. So it probably is a more strategic model than the other one. It just requires a lot more setup and teardown. So that's like kind of the con. But Dominion is 
kind of the first one to do that. And as you look at some of the other games, you can look at them and say, oh, this is the same as this card in Dominion, mechanically. Just they put a theme to it. So that's, that's where I think the background for Dominion needs to be at. Jason, what do you think about Dominion? Um, I like it. I think the mech, I, like I think deck building is fun. I, and I think that game, the gameplay is fun. I think the theme is terrible. Uh, the There's artwork, a theme? Yeah, well, yeah. The artwork is wretched. Um, Except for the adventurer card. That card's got amazing artwork on <laughs> right, it. Right, yeah. That's the Ryan Lockett one, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I, I think I've played other games like it that even though they do the same thing, it feels more fulfilling to me. Like there's right. just like maybe they add like an extra piece or two here and there that makes it more fun to me. So Dominion is not something that I want to play all the time, but it definitely has a place in people's collection. I think if, if you want a good solid deck builder, it's a good way to go. Right. I, I'm with you a hundred percent. The game has very little theme to it. If any, it's essentially an abstract deck building game. Um, but it, does it with such like just grace and finish and it's just done very well and it has tons of replay value at this point because there's 18 billion expansions to this thing and even if you only have the base game different combinations of cards you could play it a hundred times and not have this exact same combination of cards probably come up i know there's a math equation out there and it's probably not literally a hundred but it's a lot you could play a lot of different ways um so, I mean, the game, as far as that goes, it's it's really excellent in a lot of ways. I think the thing that I could say about it, and on a positive note, for sure, is that my my son, who's, you know, I would say a little more late to the game with, with uh, board games, but he's kind of trying to figure out his own taste now because, uh, I mean, I've talked about this before. I basically forced him to do board game reviews with me when he was little, and he burned out on board games, and now he's kind of embracing his inner geek again. So he's building his collection up out of some stuff that he thinks is neat. So he's got, you know, three Dominion expansions in the base game now because he really likes it. And he asks me to play with it, him sometimes. And that's why it's kind of been exposed to me again. But I've played this game with different app versions and actually the cards of it a hundred times. And anytime you play a game a hundred times, you can't say it's a terrible game. Uh, maybe you've outgrown it, but I mean, it's not a terrible game. I'll say that for sure. And to him who's, you know, earlier on in his board gaming, you know, journey, he loves it right now. And I think we all loved it when we were at that phase too. So it's got to have some kind of special place for that. Yeah, I, I agree. And yeah, I, again, that's one of those games. I, I owned it because I felt like I needed to own it. But then again, I never really played it that much. Yeah. So even so I just played I it. Not, copy. Yeah, you did. Yeah. And I, I just actually played it with a buddy not too long ago because he got it and has like five expansions and he really likes it. And I was like, this isn't actually that terrible of a game. So, I mean, that's saying something, I guess. The only thing I'm going to complain about with the gameplay of the game is like at some point they figured out you don't have to have an action phase like and have action cards that give you actions. Like at some point they figured out you can just have currency be your limiter for actions. You know what I mean? So, like, it felt a little clunky to me that you had to, like, buy the village card to get extra actions. Right. And I know there's probably a reason for that to be there. But, like, to me, it just feels like if you got 15 money, just you could spend 15 money. And you don't have to worry about actions. Like, it seems like it would streamline the game quite a bit. But I, I don't know. I know that the actions thing in there is, uh, I mean, like, to 
to kind of clarify for people who don't know this game, actions are the number of cards you're allowed to buy in any particular turn. And so, um, I don't know. It feels like that's not necessary anymore because a lot of games have gone away from that. But I understand there is a reason for it, and it probably makes the game a little more strategic. Maybe it makes it like, you know, an eSport of board games or whatever, like something that has more levels of mastery to it because of it. So, but I just personally can do without it. Yeah. All right. So we're going to give this a, a wrench rating, but do we really need to talk about components considering it's just cards? No. Nah. All right. Yeah. It's a card game. It's, it's card fine. stock. Yeah. It's, you know, good components. Um, so gameplay, what do you, what do you feel about that? How, how you, I, the gameplay is really good on it. I mean, the game, the gameplay, the rules, and like the mechanics of the game are really solid. I mean, I think you got to give it a five because that's been copied so many times. The mechanic of it, so I'm giving it a five on the mechanics and just gameplay of it. Yeah, I mean, it was in a, an innovator for sure. You can't start an entire genre of game and then not get a five. So yeah, I'll give it a five as well. So um, let's see. How about, I can't remember what else we used last well, time. The fun factor, I'm going to oh, say, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this is where it suffers a little for me. Um, I've got to give it like a two probably, because I don't have that much fun playing it anymore. And I mean, like at one time I did for sure, um, but it just kind of feels like a puzzle almost, or I, it doesn't feel gratifying like you're working towards an end product that much. It feels like you're building this really cool deck and then you're like, what do I do with it? Well, you buy victory points. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's... <laughs> It doesn't feel super gratifying, and I think that hurts the fun on it a little bit. Um, that's another thing that I think we've talked about. Yeah, I would probably agree with you on the two. Um, I, I probably haven't played it as much as you, so I may think it's even a little more fun than you. So, okay, I'll, I'll bump it up to a three because I, I like mechanisms more than most. So it was kind of fun for me just because it's pure mechanism and really nothing else. But, yeah. yeah. So, uh, themes one we've talked about, and Jason, you could care less about this one, but I'm giving the theme like a one, because I'm not even sure what the theme really is. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't really know either. <laughs> like, are you a wizard buying parts of existence? I don't know. It's, <laughs> I don't know. And there's it just, a, uh, whatever. There's a kingdom and a throne room and a witch. So maybe yeah, Monty, a Monty Python movie or something? Could be, and there's scales and ducks, so <laughs> yeah, for sure, it's a yeah. Monty Python movie. Yeah, I give the theme a one as well. It's pretty thin. <laughs> yeah, um, and the accessibility to new gamers uh, to to get to the table, I would say this is probably a. It's not a five. It's not ticket to ride. It's a step up at least. I would say a three and a half or three. It's something you can teach somebody fairly quickly, um, but not super light either. It's not the first thing you're going to teach somebody. Yeah, I'd probably, I might give it a little higher than you just because I've played it with a bunch of, well, not a bunch, but a couple girls who are younger. So I'd probably give it a four. It would get higher probably if it didn't take so long to set up and tear down. Yeah, and this game, I mean, for sure, I know it got a million people into the hobby. Um, It was the first one I played with some of my really good gaming buddies um, because they were obsessed with it. Um, But... I don't know. It's just it's like uh it's like a classic car. Like there's a certain romance to a car with a carburetor and like uh, you know, um drum brakes and no power steering, you know, like an old Mustang or something. Until the first like 
30 degree morning, you go out to start it and it won't start. You know what I mean? So like, I don't know, this game just kind of feels like it's outdated and it needs fuel injection now and it needs to like have like, you know, heated seats and stuff. And that's kind of where we're at with this, this thing. If this game came out today, if it came out today, which it couldn't because if it came out today, there's a hundred other games that aren't out yet because they required this game to, to be invented. They required stealing the mechanisms from it to be around. But if this game came out today somehow with the games that we have out otherwise, I think it would be okay. I think people would like it, but I don't think it would have changed the industry like it did. And in its time, in its day, it was definitely a five-inch game. I mean, like in 2008 or 2009 or whenever this game came out, it was certainly a five-inch game. But I'm going to give it an overall wrench rating of three in 2018 um, because I think it's – you know, it's not age the best. It's fine. I'll play it sometimes in the right mood. Or if you really want to play it or really want me to teach you, I, I would definitely play it. If you're trying to build a well-rounded, good collection of a lot of different games and a lot of different arenas of play, it's probably worth having around in your collection if you can find a copy and trade or pretty cheap. Um, but for most gamers, I'm going to say you could probably pass on this one and go to some of the other things that are out there, um, depending on what you like, and get a lot of the feel of Dominion, but with a game that has more to it. Yeah, I would agree. I'm looking at a shelf in my game room right now that has four deck building games that I like a thousand times better than Dominion. So I will give it a three, and I think that gives it an average rating of a three. <laughs> Which means it's not recommended, but it's okay. It's approved, right? right? Yeah, yeah. It's not going to be in the Hall of Fame, that's for sure. Um, so, Jason... One of those four games has to be Pixel Lincoln, right? I mean, like, because that's... <laughs> <laughs> I am looking at Pixel Lincoln, but no, that was not one of them. And I, like, honestly, I can't, this... You can't call that one a deck builder even, really, though. Yeah, right. That's what I was going to say. I don't think that's really a deck builder. All right. Well, hey, Dominion's a card game. And that's we true. just talked about it. And now we're going to talk about more card games. So Jason and I, for our feature, which we're going to talk about our three favorite card games, and I think we'll try and do it fairly quickly, but hang on. Here we go. Jason, go ahead. All right. So the first game I have to talk about is a classic Uwe Rosenberg game called Bonanza. Excellent game. And honestly, I don't even know if this is one of my favorite card games, but I only I did put in my own stipulation on myself that I had to own the game. So I do own this one, and this is a really fun game where you're planting beans in some fields, and you're getting points by how many of a certain type of bean you can plant. But the interesting thing is you can only play cards from the right side of your hand. So when you put a card into your hand, it has to go all the way to the left, and then you have to play based on whatever's farthest right. So sometimes you have to play a card that's coming up that you can't put in a bean field. So you're going to have to try to trade with some other players at the end of your turn to get beans that work for you while giving them some beans that work for them. Oh, man, it's, it's a good game. It's a simple card game, but I love it. You make it. some stupidly inequitable trades in that game because <laughs> you you're do, like, yes. I got to get rid of this bean somehow. So, <laughs> yeah. yes, I'll take 10 of your garbage beans for this one bean. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You do. You give like an eight-point bean for like a one-point bean just because – Otherwise, you're going to have to kill a whole field and get two points out of it. Yeah, right, it's exactly. It's terrible. No, it's, it's a cool game. Another one of those that you have to play and experience it to understand it because it's bigger than the rules. Like the player interaction, this is another one that you have to have the right group too. You've got to have people who are wheeler and dealers to really make this game work and have a lot of fun with it. Right. I used to play this one at a time with like kids in school until I realized the chili bean is smoking a cigarette and I thought, oh, that's not great. Oh, and, yeah. And then... <laughs> 
And then, uh, like, it's just so easy to cheat at this game. Like, you can shift the cards around in your hand and cheat. And so yeah. it's something I want to play with people who are not cheaters. So, anyway. Great yeah, pick, that, Jason. That makes every game terrible, though. There's always those people who try to cheat and make stuff less fun. I'm, I'm a big fan of this one. I think it's a great pick, Jason. It would probably have been in my top ten if I had to guess. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. All right, my number three game is something you are completely uninterested in. Ah, you've played Magic before. You might think it's okay. Yeah, uh, I like Magic. Yeah, it's called Codex. Um, so imagine um, it's like Mage Wars and Magic go together. Um, this is a Serling game, and it's the only Serling game that I've ever played. And thought, oh, this is a really cool game. Um, I mean, like, talk about Dominion um, Puzzle Fighter is pretty much Dominion with chips. But this is uh, this is. Um, that was a little tangent there for you. A little throwback to our last segment. But um, <laughs> Codex is basically you have a binder like you do in Mage Wars with all your cards available to you, and then you're trying to unlock other cards by building your deck kind of um, from those cards in order to do a head-to-head kind of fighting sort of thing. And it's really cool. Um, it has a lot that it brought from Magic the Gathering. It has some that it brought from Mage Wars. Um, it's just a neat way to play the game um you, it's just got so much cool stuff in it um and it's one of those games that not a lot of people have heard of out there because it was kind of independently released um but you can buy every card ever made in this whole game ever for a hundred bucks which is about half or to a quarter of what you're going to spend to make one competitive magic the gathering deck and you'll have every card ever made and this is this game's getting tournament play out there um, I own everything for it, and I really love playing it. It's exclusively two players, so it's a dueling game. Um, and the the edition I have has these really cool play mats that you that you roll out. Am I, am I, is that right? I think this one has play mats. Um, I know Summoner Wars does, but I think this one does too. Um, and it's just really cool that um, the game is just build it, build up a faction, and all the factions play so differently. There's about well, there's like five different colors, so kind of like Magic the Gathering. But then each one of those factions has like three heroes in it, and you can kind of mix and match things. So there's a bunch of different possibilities, too, of how you could put different cards together. Um, just kind of neat. If you like building Magic decks and kind of figuring out, hey, what's going to work together and do well with that, but you don't want to spend you know 15 hours to do it and then just find out it's terrible and have to start over, um, this game lets you do both parts, play the game and build your deck and kind of see how it's working as it goes. So it's Codex is the game. Really cool. Um, all right. So the next game I have is Archaeology, the New Expedition, which is also by Philip Walker Harding, the Baron Park extraordinaire. Um, this one's not 100% cards. It does have a tile that you sit out on the board to put cards next to. But the card play is, I mean, the game is all card play. So what you're trying to do here is you're taking, you're drawing a card and then you're trying to get, these artifacts that you can sell in a museum, which basically means put out in front of you for set collection points at the end of the game. But throughout the deck, there are some thieves that if you draw that, you get to steal a card from your opponent randomly. And there's also sandstorms, which cause you to get rid of half your cards in your hand. So if you're storing up a bunch of cards in your hand to try to make one huge turn, to get it like a, a ton of points, you could draw a sandstorm card and you lose half of them. They all they go out to like the middle market where anybody can then trade cards to buy those cards. So you could have all these good high point cards, then they just get flushed out to the market and you lose them. So it's kind of a little pressure lucky set collection, and I really dig it. Cool. 
I don't know anything about this, but if it's on your list of your top three card games, and I see the other two games here, it's got to be pretty good. It's in good company. Yeah, I seriously, it's probably one of my most played card games that I have in my collection, honestly. It's really good. Awesome. I'll have to check it out sometime. How long is it? Um, 15, 20 minutes. Cool. Not very long at all. I'd, I'd love to play it then. My, my next game is a little longer than that, but not a ton. Um, and it's one that took the gaming world by storm three years ago, and I still really enjoy it. And that's Star Realms. Um, this game is just really cool. I know that, Jason, you don't play space games. I get it. Whatever. But this no. is a deck builder in that other vein where you draw from random cards that flip up. Um, and it does it in such a smooth way that it's pretty quick, pretty pretty easy to figure out and pick up pretty quickly. But then it does – it was – I think from what I understand, this game was created by Magic the Gathering players who wanted kind of the feel of Magic but didn't want to have to um, you know, buy tons of cards and build decks all the time. Right. So it does definitely have some of that attacking synergy kind of stuff that you feel in Magic a little bit. Um, but it's a really excellent game. Uh, you basically are buying starships from these different factions, and the factions kind of all go together to make each other stronger. So if you buy green cards, um, buying more green cards is good for you probably. But there's not always green cards available, so you figure out, well, what goes well with green cards? Maybe red cards. So um, And the different ships definitely all have a different feel to them. Uh, the green's called the blob. I, I love going for blob cards because they feel super overpowered. Like they do such big damage for right. really cheap money, but then they don't do anything else. Whereas like blue cards can heal you and yellow cards let you draw cards, more cards and stuff like that. But it's a really neat game that you can get for around 10 bucks on Amazon, honestly. So uh, Star Realms, if you haven't played it, I would suggest it for sure. Um, and it was just a really hot game a little while back. Um, so odds are you have played it, but I endorse it still. Uh, do you have Hero Realms? I don't, and I've, I don't know. I've been looking at it, and I've been looking at the Epic game. Like, I don't know if you've looked at Epic at all or not, but yeah, it's I've like some it a little, little package. Yeah, and I'm like, man, I don't know. Is Hero Realms close enough that I want to get Epic instead, or do I want to get Hero Realms? And then even then, I'm like, do I really want to spend money on Hero Realms when I've got Star Realms and I could spend right, money yeah. on something else? But I haven't played Hero Realms. I hear it's excellent though. Yeah, it's it's exactly the same thing as Star Realms, except you can get character packs where you have right. different starting cards than everybody else that's pretty cool so that yeah it's kind of cool and but um star realms has the blob and hero realms has the wild which is the same kind of thing they're these super extremely powerful cards and you can buy like an eight attack card for like two right <laughs> but right it, yeah it like dies really quickly because it doesn't do anything but yeah it, it's it's a really fun game though I, I i do like star realms as well i play that on my on my phone a lot yeah that's the one space game that made it through there. Cool. All right. The next game I have is a deck builder, um, and it's called Valley of the Kings, and the version I have is called Last Rites, which is, I think, the third one, or maybe the second one. I don't know. But essentially, it's it, it plays the same way as like Ascension or Star Realms, but instead of the cards being put out in the middle of the row, they're put into a pyramid. And when you buy cards, you have to buy from the bottom of the pyramid, unless you have a card that says otherwise, and then you have to crumble the pyramid down. So when you buy a card, you're bringing other cards down for your opponents to be able to access those cards and get them into their deck. And you're going to score points by taking the cards in your in your deck and putting them in a tomb. So you're basically thinning out your deck to turn them from action cards into points. So you're trying to decide, well, how many times do I want to use this card? 
Do I want to just go ahead and take it and put it in my tomb now so I can get this set collection bonus? Yeah, it's it's really fun. It's like Dominion, but a thousand times better. And in a tiny box, too, which is yeah. crazy. And you can play it solo, which is really fun as well. I've played it so many times solo. I have this one. I got it in trade yeah, a month ago. Um, and when I showed you the picture of it, you said, oh, that's a good game. I play it solo a ton. So I'm really curious to play it. And just you talking about it right there makes me super interested in playing it. The other thing this one qualifies for is one of those, I talk about travel games that you can throw in a Ziploc bag or one of those little like photo bins that you get at you know Hobby Lobby. Right. This yeah. one definitely would fit in there because it's a tiny game. Um, but it seems like there's a lot of rich play to it. I, I'm not sure what version I have. I think mine's just like a generic Valley of the Kings is what I have. But uh, Yeah, it could be the first one. They're all the, I mean, the first and second one use the same starting cards. The third one's a little different and throws in some different mechanisms. But outside of that, you can mix them all together and still have fun. If I really love, okay, so I can't mix them together. So if I really love this game, I can buy the second and third ones and just toss them all into one box and play them all together all the time. Yeah, there are some rules on, they have different letters. Like So there's like A through D in each set. So you, you have to pick so many of each one out of each set and mix them together because you don't want to have, I guess it becomes unbalanced or something. Mm. But yeah, you, you can play any card with any of the starter cards. Cool. All right, Jason, my last game is a space game. So I did all games that you're totally uninterested with two space games and a threat <laughs> combat game. Yeah, it's all right. Um, this one's called Race to the Galaxy. It's a really awesome game. It was down to this one in San Juan, and I think this one's a little better than San Juan. The games feel so similar. But basically, you use cards as a currency in this game, multi-uses for cards kind of thing. Um, but there's some crazy symbols you have to learn in this. But honestly, once you figure out these few symbols, it's a role selection thing. So you have little two hands of cards kind of. The first hand, you're going to pick what role you want to do, which is kind of like Puerto Rico or San Juan. And then you're going to fulfill that role as a leader or as the follower. And then it lets you keep putting more cards into your main deck and get better and better and better. And uh, you're trying to harvest more cards to your hand. Um, it's a really cool game. You're, it feels like you're building a little space civilization with it. It uh, was a, a really popular game 10 years ago. If you missed it 10 years ago, I would say check it out. It's a really good game. But Roll for the Galaxy, I don't know. I go back and forth on these two all the time on which one I like better. Um, they're really similar games, just one has dice in it, so it doesn't make it onto a card games list. Um, and I'm not sure that it would make it on my dice list, uh, Roll for the Galaxy, because there are a lot of good dice games out there. But uh, Race for the Galaxy is an excellent game. Uh, for like basically what ends up being about a 200-card deck, there's a really a lot of gameplay there. And it is rough to figure out the symbols on all, of, on all, the, all the different cards. Um, but once you figure out the symbols, you can figure out, you know, you go to explore and you get new planets and you develop new research and technologies. Um, and it's just a neat game. Um, this one came out around the same time as eminent domain and they get compared all the time. Um, because they do have that kind of like selection mechanism and they're in space, but they're a little bit different. So, but if you did like eminent domain and you haven't played race for the galaxy, I'd say check it out. Um, and I do like Eminent Domain as well. Like it would have made it in my top twenty for sure, maybe even top ten. Um, but a really cool game, Race for the Galaxy. Um, this is one that I think you should play too, Jason. In spite of the space theme, or at least play San Juan. And if you like San Juan at all, then you'd really like Race for the Galaxy because it's an improved version of it, in my opinion. Yeah, I think I've been kind of wanting to get Roll for the Galaxy because it's it's the six with the same thing, right? But with dice, right? Yeah, so that one seems kind of interesting, and I I think the dice play in that is kind of cool. But again, I don't know anybody that has it, and I don't really want to buy it. So. I do have it, so well, there you go. We'll play. Next it time sometime. we get together, we'll play it. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, I have both games. I think they're both really good and both worth owning. So, um, anyway, Roll for the Galaxy has less symbols in it. Like, they actually wrote some things out on the little tiles and stuff that you get. So, um, yeah. Anyway. So, Jason, did you have any games that were, like, I had a couple games where I was like, is that a card game or not? Um, one of them was Bruges. Like, there's really heavy yeah. card play in that, but it's not I really talked a card about, game. I was thinking about Bruges as well, yeah. And then the other one is uh, Century Spice Road. That's an excellent game that would have made my list for sure if I felt like it was a card game, card game. But I feel like there's more going on there than just card play, really. Totally agree. Um, I thought about Clank. Yeah. Because essentially it's a deck builder, but there's so much board play that I couldn't, with a good conscience, put it on the list. Yeah. And and then I also thought about, um, there's a game by What's Your Game called Zhang Wo. When literally all you do is you play a card, either to your tableau or on the board. But it has a board and you're building like a wall. So, yeah, I, I couldn't quite put that on the list. But I did think about Bruges and I really wanted to talk about Bruges. But it does have a board, so I don't think it counts. Yeah, I mean, Diamonds, some of the trick-taking games would have been close on mine as well. Paperback is one that I really enjoy, um, but didn't quite make it. Um, but yeah, I, I, there's a lot of games where cards play a huge part of the game, but aren't the full game, like Seven Wonders, Seven Wonders Duel even. Um, right. Cards are a yeah. huge part of that, but they aren't yeah. quite card games, I wouldn't say. Yeah, and, I thought and, about Heart, Heart of Crown as well, just because me and my wife play that one a lot. And that's a little anime Dominion game, but I left that off. And I also didn't include LCGs because LCGs to me... The one I really love is Android. Uh, well, I like Android Netrunner, but the one I really like is Arkham Horror. Um, but it's it's like an RPG game almost. And then all of the LC, all the other LCGs. Like I've played Android Netrunner quite a bit, and I've played um, Legend of the Five Rings probably even as much or a little more. Um, they're both really excellent games, but you can't play those games and not have them be your sport and your main thing you do. So I left those off as well. Right, yeah, I agree. Yeah, totally agree. All right. Well, I'm out of words to say. Wow. Yeah. Um, I just don't have anything to say. I have words. I just don't know what to say. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is what happens when the spiel goes the way it goes. (laughs) Yeah, it completely throws my whole entire week off. All right, Jason. Well, hey, thanks for thanks for talking with me, and uh, yeah. thanks out there for listening. I've been Joel, and I'm Jason. See ya. So, Jason, real quick before you move on, I want to just – my ADD is flaring up. So this is going to be a good episode because my ADD is like <laughs> way prevalent right now. Good, good. <laughs>